The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only Political Lettuce Podcast. I am <laughs> Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual. And uh, mercifully, the rider season, which lasted longer than uh, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss's job, um, <laughs> the rider season is now over. It took all the way to almost the end for it to finally happen. But uh, yeah, it happened and it ended on such a whimper that uh, we will have to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, we'll get into maybe where the team may go from here and talk a little bit, of course, about the quarterbacks because it's just not quarterback talk without uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders involved, especially these days. So No, <clears throat> no, that was just... Yikes. That yeah. was... Yikes. Bad game. Bad game, and um, so we're going to have a little bit of fun off the top, as we like to do here on this program. Yes, I feel like we need to bring people's spirits up because that was such a terrible and shitty game. Yeah, and um, I'm sure many of you have probably heard the story and know the news, but uh, we cannot let a good lettuce story go by here on this <laughs> podcast, nope. of course, as you may know. And this is actually a rare is- instance of good lettuce, maybe? Mm-hmm. I mean, no one's eaten it, at least, as far as we know. <laughs> if somebody does, they will. I still feel like somebody would be better off eating that lettuce than your average Subway lettuce. Oh, probably. 100% they would be. I mean, food in Europe is generally, you know, in better shape than food in North America. So yes, yes, you know, and and, and never mind the fact it's like I still it's fascinating watching the live stream that it's still somehow less brown than <laughs> Subway lettuce. Yeah, maybe this lettuce is injected with whatever McDonald's food is made of that you can leave a Big Mac out for like six years and it doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because again, like you can have a lettuce covered Big Mac, and I feel fine. Like usually, Big Mac goes hand in hand with a night of hard drinking, so that might be why I don't feel so good the next day. But uh, it's not the lettuce. It's, it's not the McDonald's lettuce. McDonald's lettuce, I can say, is safe and definitely safer than the lettuce we're about to discuss. Mm-hmm. So it was, of course, uh, recently uh, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss uh, announced her resignation, uh, making it about the, I think, the 20th in the last three years. They've rolled through <laughs> over there across the pond. Something like that, it feels like, anyway. Um, we don't need to get... Land, the homeland of the Frasers <clears throat> is a uh, little unstable these days. Yeah. Yeah, people keep electing the party that keeps this revolving door at leadership. But anyway... Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're not really here to get into her politics. The interesting side of all of this, for us at least, was the story of, of course, the UK tabloids are like nothing else on this earth, quite frankly. They, they really are. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's amazing to like, 
I don't know if I'd be such a fan of them if I lived in the UK, but like from it's a afar, very subject it's like... by subject thing, because most of the time they are horrible. Yes, um, for a lot of reasons. But every once in a while, they get something just right, and this is one of those scenarios. And of course, <laughs> the UK Daily News um, had a live stream of, I believe, a head of iceberg lettuce next <laughs> to a photo of then Prime Minister Liz Truss asking which would last longer, her as Prime Minister or the 10-day shelf life of the lettuce. Uh, by the time she actually resigned, when they started the stream, it was about seven weeks later, and um, the lettuce was still going strong. And it still looked better than Subway lettuce. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not bullshitting. If you've seen, this still looks like a pristine head of McDonald's lettuce compared to the shit you see at Subway. Mm-hmm. Like, I I would even almost risk my life eating that Liz Truss lettuce. And I still feel like it would be w- less worse on my insides than Subway lettuce. Liz-tess? Liz-tess? <laughs> Trust, trust us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like if I downed it with a couple shots of vodka, it might be all right. But Gin. If you're over in the UK, it's got to be gin, right? So Is that a thing over there? It's more gin than, than vodka? I don't know. It's, they, they are into gin, whether it's more than vodka. I, don't, I couldn't tell you, but they are, you know, like London dry gin is a thing, right? So Right. And I mean, gin is just essentially botanically flavored vodka. So it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. So so things I need to be prepared for when, you know, <laughs> when Crypto Millhouse <laughs> takes over our country and I use my I exercise my right as a second generation immigrant from Scotland to return back to the UK. I need to be prepared for these things, gas, including uh, apparently indestructible lettuce that still looks better than the subway lettuce. Yeah. And I mean, just to add like the little cherry on top of the story. Now, there was a point where the that head of lettuce was then projected on the UK parliament, which is just, just fantastic. Just sort of, you know, the, the, the British humor sometimes is just on another level and the kind of things that they do, especially like something like this is something we would never think of to do here in North America. I mean, when we hate leaders, we just put up with them for 12 years and then finally kick them out. So, I mean, I guess we do things a little differently because we're too polite at times. Um. Or, or, or nobody would think of the cheekiness of it. Instead, we just, you know, jam up all of downtown Ottawa and honk constantly when we're angry or when a small section of people are angry mm-hmm. um, rather than doing something that, quite frankly, to use the British word, is quite cheeky. And uh, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. So, you know, long live that lettuce, I guess. Uh, may it's, <laughs> I guess it's now the new queen. I don't know. I think it, as, it, as it basically, the, the, <laughs> the lettuce Sorry, Charles. <laughs> has seen two monarchs. So does, yes. this, does this make the lettuce royal lettuce that it is now have some position of power over not only Britain, but Canada? I feel like making up... I like, the, native... I like the lettuce a lot more than I like Charles, so... That's fair. It has less weird <laughs> fingers, that's for sure. And isn't it all the rage in Canada right now to just kind of declare yourself a monarch and steal an RV? Yeah, I guess so. So what if we stole the lettuce, stole an RV, and declared it the monarch? Boom! Greencast National Tour coming up. <laughs> uh, Featuring lettuce that I may or may not eat and a definitely stolen RV. The RV was not actually stolen. Just that's, we're not actually stealing any RVs around here, in case anyone's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's in case my boss is listening, Darren. I'm not actually stealing an RV. It's just a reference to a crazy lady that thinks she's the actual queen of Canada mm-hmm. who stole an RV. And there are no Toyota RVs, right? 
nope. I mean, you could probably <laughs> still find a way. I mean, I was behind a really dodgy, you know those, like, truck camper things? Mm-hmm. I was behind, like, an early 2000s Tundra with one of those truck camper things in the back, but, like, this looked exceptionally dodgy. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point I thought there was going to be some Final Destination action going. <sighs> like, I, I certainly thought that with, with a stiff gust of wind, this thing was coming out and crushing my RAV4. But I it mean, didn't. I would have survived because it's a Toyota RAV4, but it still was scary. <laughs> I, I have to plug the real job somewhere. I know. I know I know you do. It's okay. I, I know. Okay. I thank you for putting up with that. Uh, there may be some members of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders looking for real jobs soon. Oh, yep. Uh, after and, uh, uh, that season, and uh, I think specifically cool. kind of the way it whimpered out. Oh, um, God. Yeah. So we got, uh, got a little bit of a breakdown to get to. Because um, we're kind of basically going to put a bow on the season this week, so we don't necessarily have to talk about the preseason game next week unless oh. something exceptional happens <laughs> that is yeah, worth talking yeah. about. <laughs> but, uh, like, say if the Riders give up 12 sacks in the game and set a new league record, that would be something. No, I want them to not give up a single sack because <laughs> I want them to finish the the season with 69 sacks given. They're at 71 now already. After after Rab, after Van Stone's tweet last night about that, they gave up a couple more. So. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I quit watching that shit show no i mean that's fair i probably would have to if i wasn't you know literally there (laughs) (laughs) no i actually i went from because it was i in full disclosure most of that game i did have uh, the oregon state beavers who were on the pac-12 network which is available on youtube in canada i had that up on my computer and was keeping an eye on that so (laughs) i I feel like you would have been doing like a a full phraser at training camp like you just would have been visiting basically that whole end of that game Oh, there was a, there was a good portion of the game where Daryl Davis and I were just talking about who wasn't going to be back next year. <laughs> From everybody, the team perspective, not in the press box. That's a whole other conversation. Because can we, can we say everybody that's not Canadian is that a, is that a safe bet? Like, <sighs> yeah, we can get into that in a bit, I guess. Um, but before we get into all that, as usual, John, uh, for the pile of bones brewing company, what is in the glass this week? As I said to you, when uh, Scene Points launched at your employer, Sophie's mm-hmm. Liquor which is also close proximity to me, you gave me the alert that the Pile of Bones White IPA is both on sale and getting me delicious points, so that is exactly what I picked up. And I know I am forbidden from talking specifics about my fantasy football team, but it was a high-stress day, and I'm in a pretty good position to beat my brother-in-law, who I've known since I was 13 years old. So I might have had a couple of those today before recording. Uh, before, it's, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't think we have to talk about how good the white IPA is. It's just it's, no, we. I mean, it basically makes an appearance at least once a month on this podcast. I do believe. I would dare say bi-weekly. Uh, maybe not quite bi bi-weekly, but definitely, definitely it's at low. least once a month. I would say for sure. True. And it was a it was a big day for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, uh, Rebellion, Nokomis, and apparently Paddockwood as well. Uh, they all took home some hardware today at the uh, one of the big national beer awards that was oh, wow that went on today. I, uh, I saw I saw Mark from Rebellion tweeting about that. I didn't see the uh, the other ones though. Yeah. So uh, from what I could gather, it looks like uh, there was a medal for the pile of bones. Scarth Street Blonde, that one. Yeah, that's uh, a good Rebellion one. Rebellion Amber, Rebellion Cats got the cream. Uh, Jeff and Nicomus won a bunch of medals for his like weird bottle series, which is incredible stuff. Yep. And I honestly, I kind of skimmed through the list on the website. I did not see what Paddock would won, but uh, apparently they were on the list as well. So. Uh, Congrats to everyone that uh, participated in that and ended up winning that as well. Um, just goes to show, 
Um, it was, I believe, in the Beer Lovers group, uh, Mark from Rebellion actually broke down the math based on uh, population, how many of the prairies, specifically, um, how many medals each province should have won. And um, Saskatchewan took home six medals, and they probably should have won about four or five. So punching above our weight, as we know how great the beer is in this province. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's next level. That That's a good surprise mm-hmm. to me for Paddockwood because... I remember trying Paddockwood very early in its existence, and mm-hmm. it was um, not great. Uh, so I've had some reluctance to try it again, but now seeing that they're winning at a national level, might have to give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I have a classic, a staple, uh, the Blackbridge Brewery IPA. Because, I mean, there's an exclamation point, so you, you have to yell it, right? <laughs> nope, that makes sense. It's kind of like how Red Blacks uh, still haven't <laughs> dropped the old caps thing. Red Blacks! No, and even though, like... Everyone in every sort of media form does not write it all caps. The, the team still continues on with it. Remember when they did for like a year, though? Like there was like a year that like you'd get the news releases from the teams and you'd see on TSN and everything was all caps on Red Blacks and they just mm-hmm. kind of like slowly. I don't think I've ever out. written it other than like as maybe a joke on Twitter. I don't think I've ever written it all capitals in like an actual piece of something that i wrote on the absolute piece of shit that was saskatoon homepage.ca i did it just I as can a hear joke the bridge burning again <laughs> <laughs> no no no. that became sasknow.ca mm. not to be confused with the jim pattison owned sasknow.com .ca.com, no confusion there at all with a completely... Un- was dot .biz not available? Or... Oh, God. I, I it, It's funny because, like, when they switch from SaskatoonHomePage.ca mm-hmm. to SaskNow.ca, they never thought to check if anybody owned the domain to SaskNow.com. And sure as shit, it was their direct competition. Yeah. My old employers, ladies and gentlemen, full of tons of foresight. <laughs> And yes, you can hear the. Uh, I can Although hear, I, think... I can smell it. It's like it's like the Springfield Tire Fire, just constantly, always burning. It's kind of, <laughs> it's almost comforting in a way, really. <laughs> I, I I think uh... now it's. Uh, I realized the other day when you and I were texting actually about your vehicle purchase. Um, it's been like six years since I left that place. So now I just feel like, yeah. now I feel like is the time that I could come out with a tell all book <laughs> about the bullshit they did there and just what a miserable place it was to work. Oh yeah. And apparently <laughs> I will not, I, yeah, right. I will not, <laughs> you write I will a book, not name come on. Names, but I can tell you that nothing has changed there. Mm. That, yeah. That sounds like the business. <clears throat> oh, it's, if anything has gotten worse. Yeah. But I digress. I will leave that for my memoirs. Uh, speaking of getting worse, the 2022 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But um, Tiss, I didn't even plan that. that no, was I don't think you did either. Um, the season has come and gone. Uh, they oh. lost to the Calgary Stampeders a little to a lot. And um, as I said after the game, it basically went pretty much exactly as you expected. The Calgary, you know, a good rider team last year could not stop Calgary along the ground. What was the bad team going to do? Well, they were just going to get completely gashed along the ground. I was honestly surprised at times that the Calgary Stampeders were even trying to throw the football at all because they didn't need to. But John Hudson from 3 Donation as well brought up the point that uh, 
It was they were it was almost preseason passes for them because for some reason Jake Mayer and the receivers just aren't quite there yet. So yeah, they're passing for the sake of trying to figure out how to pass, not necessarily to win the football game in that scenario. Well, well, well <laughs> and they were working in guys like Richardson, Danny, right? Like I, I just, I can't believe that, and it's rare. I, I agree wholeheartedly with some of the. Um, old school takes on the post game show mm-hmm. but like the post game shows were saying you know even when this team was shitty they at least tried yes there was it, i was i listen generally i listen to the green zone on the way back from home games and if it's particularly yes. bad like it has been recently road games i'll flip it on my you know my speaker yeah <clears throat> after just to listen to it for for a little bit for you know to kind of gauge and hear what people are talking about a little bit but also for comedic you know, comedic value. It's, it's <laughs> um, hilarious. It's it's hilarious sometimes. Um, I mean, but yeah, there were a number of references from people who like, oh, I remember like the 79 season when they went two and whatever. And, you know, down the stretch. And even though they were completely out of it, the team still fought tooth and nail to try to win every football game they could. And pretty much from the word go in that game against the Calgary Stampeders, you did not get that vibe at all. There was no intensity. There was no nope. sense of urgency. There was nothing, even though they were still mathematically alive. And I could understand, like, I, you know, we all expected the Riders to lose. Yes. Uh, we all didn't expect, you know, most of us did not expect a very good game. But that's not the kind of thing you like to see out of a team, no matter the no. scenario. Even if they were completely eliminated, it's, you can understand a little bit, but it's still not what you want to see. But when they are still mathematically alive... You would expect a team to fight for their life, and they just they didn't have it. And that just sends off alarm bells about every single person in football ops right now. Every single one of them. The fact that it just wasn't there. There were a we, few guys that played well like they always do, but for the most part, as a, as a unit, as a team, it wasn't there. And, they didn't look, and that's they didn't, terrifying. They didn't look like they gave a shit. No. Like, nobody looked like they gave a shit. And, and that is, like, we've criticized this team rightfully so – a lot, even when they were winning. That's yeah, I, what, I remember that's... the year Corey Chamberlain and Brendan Tamman got fired, and that was, you know, the gong show that that season was. I don't remember a game where I would say, oh, they just stopped playing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember in my time covering this team a, a, a game that you watched and went, they were just collecting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for, like you said, Calgary, Calgary wasn't playing to win that game. No, they were playing to, you know, figure them something. I mean, they're locked. Right. They were locked into third. They didn't care. Right. So, I mean, that's it. But they, they have things to play for in terms of they're still trying to figure out who they are and how they're going to, you know, how this offense for them is going to work if they're going to succeed in the playoffs. So in that regard, they were still playing. They just, the outcome was maybe, you know, second, you know, sort of secondary to them in that one. But it, but it was almost like for Calgary, this game was, was a live practice or one of those yep. joint practices you see more commonly in the NFL. Like, you could tell that Calgary came out and said, okay, we're going to feed certain guys the ball. We're going to see what we have here. We're going to try some things. Like, it was very vanilla by Calgary. Like, you mm-hmm. watch that game, and Calgary didn't do anything to light the world on fire. And to me, stopping the run is a passion thing, Yeah, is a drive thing. If you dedicate to stopping the run – and your heart's in it, and you're passionate, and you know what you need to do in this game, you're going to have some moderate success stopping the run. Especially against, let's face it, the Calgary O-line is a very good O-line, 
but they're playing to not get hurt. Mm-hmm. They That's why you run the ball that often is because you don't see O-linemen go down on run plays as often as you do pass plays because they're attacking instead of defending. So Calgary's playing to not get hurt. They're playing to see what do we have in Richardson Danny? What do we have in, in this and that? And you still lose. And you don't even just lose. You lose terribly. Yeah, the score was flattering at the end thanks to what turned into a pretty good story of Mario Alfred getting his hat trick where he, he had a kick return, a missed field goal, and now a punt return touchdown in the same season. So that's kind of cool. That's so, the guy who was earned a job next year. That's, and, that's, that's, and a guy, Calgary, that's a guy who gave a shit. Yeah, He's and, one of like three fucking guys who gave a shit that game. And Calgary also had probably, you know, three drives, I would say, in the first half that probably should have been touchdowns that would have yes. blown this game wide open early. That's the yes. only reason that score was even close as it was. Like, And, and, and that's the thing. You have a team... In, in 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 preseason mode, you have a team in preseason mo- mode against a team fighting for their playoff lives at home, and that's the effort you get. Mm-hmm. To me, and this is this is the hot take season now, but yeah, you get one right, and here we go. <laughs> but based on the performance of the team and their give a shit level that game, I don't want anybody back here next year. I don't want anybody on that coaching staff back here next year. Yeah, I mean it's 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 certainly hard to make the justification. I I think I think you could make a point for Jason Shivers still. Yes. Um Yeah, I I, I agree, but it, But at, but at the same time, I mean, you if you've wiped out all of the rest of the coaching staff, the odds of whoever a new head coach may be keeping someone else around from that is pretty low. Um I mean, Jason Shivers could maybe convince whoever they hire to keep him on. We don't know. But it's unlikely that whoever it was will would keep him on board. But I would be okay with that. Beyond that, yeah, the, the entire offensive side of the ball needs to be wiped out um, and changed. <clears throat> I would, you know, I know there's you know names being thrown out there. For me, whether it's in a head coaching role or an offensive coordinator role, I would love to see Kahari Jones in here. Yes, yes. Um, I heard on the post-game show someone talking about Mark Tressman. I think he's happy in the XFL, but that just about made me gag because we don't <laughs> we don't need more teams running that same offense up here. Sorry, <laughs> we don't need to, we don't need to inspire a new generation of offensive coordinators to make sure this league continues to run his offense exclusively for the next twenty years. Um, sorry, I mean, you're not wrong. And, though. And, and Jamie brought up the point, Jamie Nye, that Mark Tressman's success comes with veteran quarterback so unless we know for sure Bo Levi Mitchell is walking through that door I don't touch Mark Dressman <laughs> no he, if and, he's even interested in coming back and and, and I was pro Shivers until that performance mm-hmm. last week yeah, like and, I just and, and this is why like I know there was we had conversations about him being a head coach and possibly earlier in the year um I think the last number of weeks have taken the shine off that a bit I think yes. he's still a good DC in this league um, obviously, you know, injuries to Anthony Lanier, the second, you know, made that made a big deal. Um, you know, it's, it, you have to admit as much as the move had to be made, Garrett Marino was missed on the field. Yes. He was. No question about it, but still a move they had to do. But regardless, uh, his play was still missed on the field. And I think ultimately just, you know, a lack of support from the offense all year, just completely wore down the defense. You, you gave up 414 yards. And 29 first downs to a team that didn't really give a shit. <laughs> like, 
and then and, and the backup running back Derek Mills picked up most of the yards actually not even Kadeem Carey yeah 17 for 103 with a touchdown like that, that, like that just if <laughs> watching Calgary like they were in preseason mode and I can't blame them you think no. Calgary has nothing to play for Calgary wants to get through the next two weeks testing out some young guys yeah. seeing what Phil Potts got Feeling, seeing what Sindani's got, seeing what they got in some of these young Canadians. Probably and, put Bo in for a bit next week to, you know, kind of give him a send-off at McMahon. Well, and <clears throat> even for Bo, audition for a job. Yeah. And I and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bo starts that game. Just, you know, the respect they have for him. And mm-hmm. let's face it, I mean, every... <laughs> It's almost the worst kept secret now in, in in the province is that Bo has interest in coming here along with others on that team, but that was that was pathetic. And I feel bad like I watched and yeah, we, we talk about the guys that watch, you know, two win Saskatchewan teams that gave a shit. And like I watched a lot of really bad Winnipeg teams over the mm-hmm. years. And I never saw a performance like that outside of preseason. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like, yeah. that was just, like, that was collecting a check down to a T, and I think it all comes down to naming Mason Fine the starter. Yeah, and I, I think that sort of set the tone for the entire week for the team. Um, you know, we can, I mean, Craig is Craig Dickinson has admitted he probably didn't handle it very well at the start of the week when he talked about Cody's, quote, vet day after right. a bye week, and... You know, that's just that was just another sign of a good a guy who I still think can be a good coach and a good guy just spiraling in bad seasons as a lot of coaches do, as better mm-hmm. coaches than him have done. Um you know, we don't really need to get into all that, but the decision to start Mason Fine at this point to me, you know, Craig can talk all he wants about it being, you know, he's trying to provide a spark. He thought it would provide maybe a spark for the team. Uh it clearly didn't. We'll talk about Fine's play in a bit. Um but to me, it sent more of a signal of, yes, we're still mathematically in it, but we're not dumb. The writing's on the wall here. Let's just yeah. make the change. And they didn't really sit anyone else because that would maybe be a little too obvious. And, you know, I think this was a move that was kind of, and Craig had talked about it later in the week, I believe, on the sports cage, about, you know, this was a possibility that they were thinking about before. And I was like, well, if you're thinking about it before, you probably should have just done it, you know? Once you're starting considering pulling your starting quarterback for the other guy, maybe you should just do it. And to do it just this late at this point, to me, sent the signal of we're essentially putting up the white flag on this season. We're we're essentially seeing if this guy can be a backup for whoever we bring in next year. Yeah. Is 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 what it boiled down to. And I and I remember we've talked about this, and I've talked about this on this pod that this dates way back to Labor Day that that's maybe when they should have looked at a switch instead of instead of now because they they boxed themselves into this exact situation but Cody Fajardo at the end of the day was still the best chance to win that game yeah he's flawed mm-hmm. he has 
that offensive line is flawed. Cody's flawed. It sounds like things in the room are terrible, but he's still your best chance to win that football game. No question. And I don't know, like you and I know what an impact playoff bonuses and win bonuses have on these guys' paychecks. Yeah. If if you go, if you make it all the way to the Great Cup and win, you will make more money in that three-week period than you would in any other three-week period of the year, unless you're like... Zach Kolaris. Yeah, unless you're one of the top paid guys in the league. Yeah, so for your average guy on his rookie salary, those playoff bonuses are absolutely massive. Mm -hmm. That's why guys want to get to the playoffs. It changes their lives. It changes their year. And to send that that message that you're going to start Mason Fine over Cody, I don't, as much as I hate to see it, I don't know if I blame these guys for not giving a shit. No. Right? Keep yourself healthy because the XFL's coming. Yeah. You know, you can go play some spring football someplace, make yourself a couple extra bucks. You ain't going to do that if your knee's blown up. Right? So, it, it, it you're right. It was it was the white flag. Um, To me, if I was Craig, I announced Cody as my starter. And if he struggles, maybe put him on a short leash yeah. and bring Mason in. I mean, they maybe... use Cody a little bit anyway, so why not just platoon them anyway? Which was stupid. Yeah. Again, you come out, yeah, Mason finds our starter. We're going to give him a start. He's going to be a spark, and Cody's out there for the second Well, the series. next day, he even said, oh, Cody might play. Cody's probably going to play a little bit. And then Britton Gray connected the dots of CJME, and he said, well, Cody runs a short yardage. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I guess he's going to play. Um, but then they used him a little bit more, which I didn't necessarily mind a little bit spots here or there but they probably should have done it the other way around yes absolutely like <laughs> or or give cody a chance yeah. and if nobody gives a shit it's it's almost like the the banjo bowl when they literally had the shits when there was a legitimate conversation mm-hmm. and and craig said to sarah let's give tsn if we don't have it if he's getting blown up i'm putting mason fine or jake Dolagala to protect cody mm-hmm. You almost needed to do the other the other thing. You you bring in Cody. If the team brings their effort, they bring some give a shit. If they bring their A game, you leave them in there. If they don't, you put Mason in there and put that on your team. But it's just it's it's <laughs> Well, and here here's the thing. Um to get to the actual like play of the quarterbacks in that game. We can't really take anything out of what Cody did. He did what he was asked of. Fine, yep. whatever. Yep. Um Overall, though, whoever was in a quarterback in that game, it didn't feel any different. No. And that's, you know, that's concerning if you're this team going forward. Because you were hoping to see something on a Mason Fine you didn't see. They haven't really found it in, like, a homegrown quarterback really in a while. And the only thing I will give Mason Fine credit for is he looked the part a little more than Cody Fajardo did the last number of weeks of the season. Maybe that's because he hasn't taken a beating. Um Granted, we, you know, a lot of the, you know a number of the sacks that Cody Fajardo took this year were his own fault as well, and may, we've been maybe as guilty as anyone of putting a lot of it on the offensive line, and yep. not to let them off the hook or anything. But Cody has been a problem in that regard too. Yep. But Mason Fine didn't take a sack until halfway through the third quarter of that football game. Uh, uh, with again an offensive line that didn't look like they gave a shit. So against a pretty good defensive line. Yes, yes, and they were still and, playing their guys. Like Sean Lemon was still yeah. out there. Yeah, and so Mason Fine stood in the pocket. He looked around a little bit. He gave the he gave the line that extra second or two before sending everything into chaos. 
to see if something would develop. He gave them that opportunity. His skills aren't there to be a quarterback in this league yet. I don't know if they will be, if they will ever be. But at the very least, he looked like a confident quarterback back there. Something that they haven't, we haven't seen, quite frankly, in weeks. And and uh, here's the funny thing. They still only ran the ball 11 times by know, a non-quarterback. That's, yeah, that, that's a whole other... That's just Jason Moss. <laughs> Jamal Morrow comes back. Oh, you know, we're just, just not going to use him. Yep, yep. It's fine. Yeah, eight, eight, eight carries. Yep, he's back. We're gonna keep Must handing the ball game. off. We're gonna keep handing the ball off to Keon Schaefer Baker for some reason. I did hate <clears> that though. Every like, as you know, as I've heard some people say, maybe once or twice a year, they do it like three times a game for some reason. Like people are onto it. They know. <laughs> but but it was the same thing Winnipeg does with Nick, Nick Dembski. But Nick Dembski is like actually a running back at times. He has been a running back. <laughs> Keon Schaefer Baker is a slot receiver, and he should be playing slot receiver, and that's it. Yeah, and it's not like you're breaking a ratio by putting him back there. No. Like it's just it's just one of those things that like and and and, and even those plays that Winnipeg runs with Nick Dembski, it's like an, an entirely different blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. Like usually you have a French Canadian fullback in there and uh and and receivers coming down a block and a pull by your offensive line and things like that, but uh Yeah. Yeah, but I I I I have a hard time beating up Keon Schaefer Baker because he no, was one of about No, it's not four. his fault. No, he was one of about the four guys that looked like he gave a shit. Yeah, like, I, mean, like yeah. I think I think I think Alfred looked like like I think Alfred could keep him. I think Morrow through the shit not being used. I think you keep him. You keep him and Frankie Hickson. I would say yes, absolutely. You do. Like, I, think, I think I think they could be a very good running back duo. They complement each other stylistically. I would say. Yep. Oh, they're fantastic that way. Yeah, and, Keon and... Schaefer Baker's back. I would say probably most of the Canadian receivers are back. As as they should be. This is yeah. this is the bizarro thing, and and I was talking to <laughs> one of Max's uh, one of Max's. <laughs> this is actually a funny story. So Max had his uh, seventh birthday party yesterday, and his grandpa Jim or his friend Isaac's grandpa Jim is a listener of this podcast. Hey Jim, um, <laughs> and and we were talking about how how bizarro this team is that most teams in the CFL struggle because they don't have enough Canadian talent. Well, this team has some good Canadian talent. And yet, they just suck. <laughs> like, it, it, you think you can find American players, but somehow they can't? Like, I, oh, God. I, I just, I feel for you, Ryder fans. I really do. Like, I know what it's like to cheer for a team that is just perpetually shitty. And it worries me that, they talked about when you brought in Chris Jones and Jeremy O'Day and, and, and John, the ass kicker Murphy all those years ago that they said, yeah, we want to be the Calgary Stampeders. We want to have sustained success. And then you drive 550 kilometers down highway one and it's your biggest rival that's turned into the new Calgary Stampeders. I just, yeah. I mean, there, there is, there is a part of me that wonders given what the CFL is, and this is not a knock against it, just in terms of, you know, there isn't the constant top-end talent available like there is in the NFL. Right. Through the draft, at least. Right. Especially in American talent. Yes. And I wonder, and granted, I just, you know, that doesn't, this doesn't make an excuse for what's happened in Saskatchewan this year. Um, I just wonder if the Calgary thing, you know, for how good they've been for how long is not ne- is not necessarily repeatable in a lot of ways. 
I think, you know, the idea of sustained success is nice, but is it actually possible in the CFL given how transient everything is? I don't know. And, and that, is, that has nothing necessarily to do with how this year has gone for them. I think a lot of it is their own doing this year, and there's a lot of things yeah. they could have prevented. But regardless, I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if it's realistic in the CFL to expect your team to be good for 25 years. <laughs> no. Like, realistically. <laughs> well, no, you're you're right. You, you expect to be good for a few years and then crap for the rest of it and just kind of hope the, that you're... The advantage that you have in the CFL is because the contracts are short, the money's smaller, the rosters do turn over so much, is okay, yeah, you'll be good for three or four years, but then on the other end of it, you should only be bad for a year or two before you turn it around again. In theory. Right. In theory, right? right. There's it, always it, examples it, on both sides of, the, you know, the Calgary is the one example on, like, the extreme good side. We've had examples of teams for some reason that haven't figured it out and stayed bad for a long time in this league. But for the most part, the bulk of the league kind of has a few good years, drops off for a little bit, comes back for a few good years, drops off for a little bit. Like, that's just kind of how it works. Montreal and Toronto and BC are perfect examples of that. Yeah. Right? They've had some miserable seasons in betwixt really good ones, but th- it, there's always ebbs and flows to it, right? I uh-huh. I think that I think the thing that's going to piss a lot of people off and i know myself as a as a self-proclaimed analyst i don't pretend to know anything what do you know <laughs> that's I, I get one take right <laughs> i get I, I get one take right and all of a sudden i'm an analyst and even then you got one take partially right you said it was time for the riders to panic their season was in trouble in you know in trouble after that loss in montreal and you were right there you got there eventually but edmonton did not catch them <laughs> hey that and 500 will put you in the hall of fame all day long. <laughs> but like this is a gray cup year i don't care about that though no but i think i i think i do like to me this if i'm an organization and you know you're getting the gray cup i i think you should pull the old like they did in 2013 Salary cap be damned, future be damned, everything be damned. We're gonna field a competitive team this year. Now see, I, don't... I, I see. I don't agree with that though. I see, think I, I still think you still have to be smart about how you're building your roster and try to be competitive every year. Um, it should not have gone this poorly. There's no question about that. But I think whether this was a great cup year or not, and this happened, it should be treated the same. And I think there are a lot of people in this province who are thinking like you, who are extra upset about this because it is a great cup year. Because there are now unrealistic expectations of what Grey Cup years are like here because of 2013. But you should at least make the playoffs. You should. I'm not saying. Like, I'm not you, saying. You, I'm not saying that. You know what happened this year is. You know, shouldn't have happened. They should have at least made the playoffs. No question about it. And they were in a. You know, they were in a spot where they were easily going to make the playoffs until they shit themselves like no other team we've seen in recent years. Yeah, two wins down the stretch. Start four and one, yeah. and then win two games the rest of the way. But we knew the problems with this team last year. Mm-hmm. We knew the offensive line was shit. Like, nothing changed there. No, I, I mean, and in fairness, they did lose three other guys for most of the year. Um, Matlin, Ryland, again, you know, they seem to have this thing of offensive linemen unexpectedly retiring on them and screwing them over a bit. Right. That's that's. The... <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, Ben Heenan does a while ago. Then Brent Labatt, you know, doesn't retire, but effectively has. And now Matlin Ryland does it, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> when does this end? How are we supposed to, you know, how are they supposed to build an offensive line when these guys keep dropping on us? But you got to prepare for these things. And the depth definitely has to be better. It's not an excuse, but 
it was kind of part of it, why it got as bad as it did for a while, at least. But on the same note, money talks. Yep. In a CFL, in a, in a Grey Cup season, you can't tell me you go to Matlin Riley and be like, we're going to find a hundred grand for you. We just need a year. We get it. We get your concerns. We understand everything. We understand how your life has changed coming to the pandemic. But here's $100,000 on top of what we were going to pay you. Like, this team has that ability to find that. Speaking gigs out in Assiniboine and, 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 and Engelfeld and Watson. This team has that ability to do that. And they just let these guys walk off into the sunset. Now, again, Ben Heenan runs a family farm, and I'm sure Ben Heenan is making more than he could have ever made playing for the Riders. But I still, to me, you you, you need to, knowing this was, and if this, they, they weren't hosting the Grey Cup. Now, this is what I'm talking about, about spending that money where you're hosting the Grey Cup. That's when you knock on, on, on Brendan Labatt's door, especially early this season before Labor Day with a dump truck full of money. Or knowing Brendan through third parties like I do with a brand new Chevy truck full of money. And tell him, this is your truck, man. Yeah, yeah, it's registered to, to Craig Reynolds or Craig Dickinson or whoever, but this is your truck. To me, that's what you do in a great great cup year. If this if they weren't hosting the great cup, you write it off. This was a shitty season, but you back up the money truck to Matlin Riley. You back up the money truck to Ben Brendan Labatt and those guys that you knew you needed. The second that they signed signed Linnaeus, I knew this season was over. Because they just splashed money at the fanciest name out there, not looking at a single thing at what this team needed. And I get it. It is hard to change your offensive line. It is probably the hardest position in football to change. Maybe in all of sports. I, yes, yes. But still, at the end of the day, these injuries occurred early. Like, these injuries, like, when was Dan Clark out? Week five, week six? Something like that. Brendan Labatt, you knew, wasn't coming back. Matlin Riley, you know, before training camp, said he wasn't going to do it. That, to me, in a, and, and again, if they weren't hosting the Grey Cup, my take is you write this off as a shitty season, who cares? But the fact that they didn't go and get a lineman, put your first-round pick, I get it, it's mortgaging the future, put your first-round pick out there, Put some money out there. Do what you need to do to shore up that offensive line to so Cody's all of a sudden not Drew Willie 2.0. They didn't. And to me, that's a failure by Jeremy O'Day. Like, this whole season boils down to the fact that they should have at least made the playoffs in a great cup season. I get it that 2013 was basically like assembling the dream team and they went $6 million past the cap and paid for it, but the, the inaction... By the front office, knowing what the issue was, and these all these issues were early. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is who should be wearing it for this season. You yeah. knew what you were, you knew what you were going to be. You had a chance to fix it, and you didn't fix it. It's like when your check engine light comes on, and you just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, and then your car blows up at the side of the road. That's what this season is. Your car blowing up at the side of the road because you didn't come into a service department or your dealer and come get it fixed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't disagree with most of what you're saying. I just, I think it should apply on any year, not just a Grey Cup year. Um, I, I think you have to do a little extra. <clears throat> you just have to a I little don't. extra in a Grey Cup year. I don't think you do. I, I, not in the CFL. 
I think when you're posting once every like there's a fairly you know you know because you know well you're taking the fact that Montreal doesn't really have a great cup stadium right now you know you're going to be hosting about once every eight years I don't know if you can really consistently do that they made the choice to do it in 2013 that was fine they were uh you know, without a Herculean effort from Darian Durant in the fourth quarter against the BC Lions, it all would have been for naught. Yes. Um, and then maybe that, you know, changes people's minds about that this year. I just, I think the Grey Cup kind of unrealistic and unrealistically changed some expectations about what that means. I'm not saying that that lets them off the hook. I'm not saying that Jeremy O'Day did not make some big mistakes this year because of that. Um, just everything that is bad is bad because it's bad, not because it's a Grey Cup year. But I think you should have taken more risk because it was Grey Cup year. But that's I think, what, but that, what there's, no, there's been nothing in Jeremy O'Day's style as a general manager to date that suggests he's a big gambler. No, that's not no. his style, and he's. I don't. I don't want anyone to change their style or their approach because it is a Grey Cup year. And Jeremy O'Day didn't, and it didn't work for him. It failed spectacularly, and he'll have to answer for that. But that's just, he went down doing things the way he thought he sh- it should be done. And I can respect him for that. Yes. But I just I just think strictly monetarily. Like, I, I just think that you could have thrown I mean, more I, I money. Believe, I believe you should go over the cap every year up to that 99, 99, 99 mark. 100%. Because it's just a dollar for dollar fine. Right. And, and, and that's what I mean is especially when you know, like, I get it in a, in a year that you're not going to have the Grey Cup Festival, you might not want to spend an extra $200,000 on salary. Right? I, I get it. Bottom lines are tight. But in a Grey Cup year where you know you're going to be sitting on a shit pile of extra money, you know, to the tune of three, four, five million dollars, what's the harm in spending that over the cap or spending that go to your speaking engagement in nowhere Saskatchewan kind of money? Right. Like that's that's all I'm saying is that I think you've got the financial power in a Grey Cup year to do things you wouldn't normally do. And they didn't do it. And now I think. And part of it, again, like you said, part of it's 2013, the vitriol that's coming out from fans now. Deservingly so. Mm-hmm. Is at another level? Like, I don't know, like. like well, it's, and, it, but it's here's nasty. Yeah, it's nasty, but as many say, you know, you would rather them be mad at you than indifferent. Because if the fans are mad at the team, they still care. If we get to a point where this continues, and if they don't figure this out, and this is not just football ops, this is this is a lot of things about this organization right now. If they don't get things back on track and start treating you know certain people better, and start you know looking after fans and doing things very differently. Anger is going to turn into disinterest, which is death blows for organizations. And next thing you know, you're having a telethon to keep the team alive. Or at least maybe book a Grey Cup halftime show. <laughs> oh, they still haven't done that! No. No, is that, is everyone, that... everyone thought it was coming this week. Because, I mean, generally speaking, the CFL has often done it on, you know, sort of a bigger game for the host yeah. team, blah, 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 and then Nothing. We still don't know, and we're less than a month and away from the Grey Cup now. And I went I back and like... looked, because I wrote a piece for 3 Down Nation. It'll probably be on the website by the time you actually listen to this, unless you listen to this on Sunday night. Because um, I believe and it's like, being posted, I believe it's being posted right, Monday like morning. Like you, Dave. Yeah, like you, Dave, and Jock, and a few others. Um, <laughs> it's being posted Monday morning, I believe. And I went back and I looked at 
a number of years, like I would just put Grey Cup halftime, CFL announces Grey Cup halftime, and then the year. In so last year was announced on November twelfth, but of course the Grey Cup was in December. December. So there yep. was a month. It was still kind of late, but whatever. Well, and, and let's face it, we all knew it was going to be our accounts. Yeah. Um. So from for some reason in twenty fifteen, it came out really late. I don't know why. Follow Boy was announced so late, but regardless. Um, but I mean, that's a big non-Canadian act, so yep. I could get there's probably a lot more negotiations than normal. Maybe. So then 16, 17, 18, 19 all came out either at the end of August or the start of September. Yes, I remember. It was almost like around Labor Day. I remember yep. that. I believe it was actually, and then 2013, it was also September 1st. So that was actually the Labor Day game because I remember Headley awkwardly getting booed which in retrospect was actually a, a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't know why at the time. We will forgive you for that. Yeah, we, they got booed because people thought the music sucked. Well, they should have been booed for being who they are. Um, right, right, the front man <laughs> being an absolute piece of shit who will now rot in prison. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, I mean, they have the tendency to announce this thing like a month and a half ago. And here we are almost into November. We're into the final week of the regular season. And the Riders don't have a home game left. And we don't know who the hell's doing this thing. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna like maybe that's why they're gonna maybe they're holding off so somebody will actually like, watch. Gonna, you know, are they like trying to are they gonna announce that like we're building up to do like a surprise halftime show? At this point, that's all you, <laughs> you have. might as well. Maybe that'll get some people to tune in to see who but the that, hell it but is. That's it. That is literally all you have at this point. Like I don't. <laughs> I, I... Like, I, I think, based on the competency level and, and again, give-a-shit level of some people in the league office, I think they had somebody booked that backfired, and now they're scrambling. Seems possible. Or that, or the the guy in charge of tweeting that stops tweeting in the half after halftime of every game is in charge of it, so who knows. <laughs> I made it past Labor Day, no action announced. We'll just figure it out. We'll just get guys doing loop-de-loops on snowmobiles and go from there but yeah i mean is... the answer at this point is let's just bring in the super dogs no one's gonna complain oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, my votes for our kells back to back everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.